Welcome everybody to today's masterclass. This is the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass of the week. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you'll know that I've been doing these masterclasses to make sure that everybody is more informed about their decisions in property. Because the more you know, the better decisions you make and therefore the more profits you make. So that's my purpose of doing these uh, Intelligent Property Investors masterclasses. Now, if you are listening to me on either a podcast through iTunes or through Spotify, you will get a much better experience by jumping onto my website, which is iloverealestate.tv. And you can see all of my slides and all of the pictures and all the graphs and everything else that I've got there. Maybe you're listening to me on YouTube and that's fine as well. Uh, but make sure that you leave me some comments, let me know what you're thinking. And if you want me to cover anything specifically, then uh, shoot me an email and I will be able to or sh put it in the comments, etc. And I'll be able to uh, try and incorporate any of your questions that you might have. So let's get into the masterclass for the week. As you know, I am an accountant, I'm an economist, I'm going to be talking about a lot of the research and data. So by, by accumulation, by going through every single week and building on the next week, the next week as to what's actually going on, not the fear and hysteria that you're listening to on the, on the media channels, but actually being able to see where the markets are really at, specifically about property. So this masterclass for today is I'm going to talk about why um, city councils are actually giving away donuts and free cocktails. Ooh, where is that happening? I'm going to be talking about the RBA and how they're even less inclined to raise uh, raise the rates with um, with the banks or to control what's going on with the banks. In fact, they're being very, very lenient and they don't believe that interest rates will go up for some time, but I'll get into that in a minute. We're going to be talking about which country we're seeing an increase in manufacturing sectors, because of course, if they're manufacturing, they're producing more goods, um, exporting, etc. those current countries will be flourishing. And we're also going to talk about the economic, uh, the economists, sorry, who believe that the market's going to go up and those that believe it's going to go down and whether we should be running the economy hot, which was something I spoke about last week. And we're also going to be talking about the Americans and how they're spending all of that dough that they've been passing out willy-nilly all over the place in the US and what the big cash splash is all about over there. But first of all, let's talk about FOMO Fridays. FOMO Fridays. Well, what is that all about? Well, I tell you what. The cities right around the country, but particularly Sydney and Melbourne, and Melbourne more so than anywhere else, have really been suffering. People haven't been going into the city. We haven't had, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people working from home and things like that. So the local council, particularly in Melbourne, are doing this FOMO Friday, which is trying to encourage people back to their offices, back to the cities and back to spending money. So that's exactly what they're doing. As you can see here, FOMO Friday, it goes from May 14 to June uh, 4. And uh, it's part of the council's $100 million recovery fund for partnerships with the Victorian government. They're giving away cocktails. They're giving away donuts. They're giving away all sorts of things in Chinatown. Um, the Lord Mayor, Sally Cap, 
she's been out there promoting the whole thing and trying to get people back into the into the uh, the, the city particularly and of course all of those hospitality jobs revived so that was just a little bit of fun to start with and something that's going on so if you're in Melbourne duck down on a Friday into the city and get your free donuts and cocktails <laughs> Now, let's talk about something a little bit more serious. Let's talk about the job market. Look, we're improving all the time. This is uh, the latest figures out. and You can see there, these are the figures for April um, and how job ads have really started to, to shoot up. And uh, we're, that's a general... Um, you know, a, a general uh, trend that we're seeing. We had the little bit of a dip with this, the second wave there, the, obviously the COVID back there, but we're well and truly up into positive territory. In fact, much better than we were pre-COVID. And, and it's right across the, the states as well. I mean, this, this chart here shows you how across all the states and territories, the job ads <clears throat> have gone up substantially. Um, and they're continuing to go up. This is not something that's, uh, you know, uh, something that, that just happened for a month and then they're going to go down. We are trending up with job ads. There's more and more jobs being created, which is good. In fact, this chart here kind of shows as well. You can see there's a bit of ups and downs and things, but, but we're well and truly in positive territory. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. We're looking for the month of April alone, we've seen a 4.7% rise in job ads. Now, that's just in one month. So, you know, a massive turnaround there, massive opportunity for uh, a lot of people to get back into the workforce if they were, you know, put off during COVID, but also to retrain. Um, you know, there's a lot of industries where uh, the jobs are now and perhaps, you know, they were different previously pre-COVID. So I think uh, everybody needs to be a little bit more flexible and really get into to, uh, you know, be prepared to work where the, where the work is in the industries where the work is. And I, and I think that flexibility was something that really shone through as we came through COVID. On the global front, um, things are improving right across the board. Obviously, we've still got some countries like India and Brazil, particularly, who are still in the grips of, of a third wave and, and really doing it tough. And it's very, very sad. I was speaking to one of, my, um, one of my students the other day who is Indian and still has a lot of family in India. And he said, you know, what's actually, what we're actually seeing is, is perhaps um, not as, uh, you know, we're seeing a better picture than it really is over there. He's, he's seeing some devastating things happening. But look, on the global front, generally, manufacturing is up. And that's what this chart here shows. You can see, you know, a big turnaround in manufacturing. And this goes right back to 2011. So post-GFC, um, you know, we, we didn't have this kind of strong recovery. And that is why the recovery from GFC, or the global financial crisis, was much, much slower than it has been for COVID. The turnaround from COVID has been phenomenal in everybody's books. Um, when you look at where we sit on the global stage from manufacturing, because we're not known for being a massive manufacturer, but this is where um, Australia ranks on the manufacturing world stage. And you can see there, we're right up there. You know, we're up underneath um, uh, America. I'll just put it on the big screen for you. We're up underneath America there. France is just below us. Um, so the Netherlands right up the top. So that's, that's, the, uh, that's how the, the countries have improved. So it's not how much manufacturing they do, it's how much we have improved back to manufacturing, which is, which is pretty good, really. Obviously, the ones that are still very, very um, 
hurting with, with what's happened with COVID, uh, Myanmar, old Burma, uh, and Mexico and the Philippines for obvious reasons and you know, there's a lot of countries there that are, that are, are not doing so well as a result of, of what's happened in their countries with the, the virus, etc. World trade generally is up and again we're seeing this. Um, you know, this here goes right back to 2008. We saw that dip down there was the GFC dip um, from world trade and again it took much much longer than it did for COVID. See the little dip we see here with COVID and already we are right back up in world trade higher than we were pre-COVID. So we're actually at record highs again now than we ever have been in the in the past. So this is stuff that you're not not hearing about. And obviously we need world trade. We need you know ships going around doing things, delivering things, all of that kind of stuff. And and that world trade really indicates the underlying strength of the economies. But let's now talk about property because property is obviously what we are interested in. Now I've got a really cool chart coming up for you. I'm going to have to put it on the on the big screen because I'm going to start with where property prices are at here in Australia and what has already happened. I mean it's basically textbook from what I said last year that it, this year is just playing out exactly as I predicted last year, if any of you were listening to me then. But have a look at this and I'll put it on the big screen for you. This is the median house prices across, um, you know, across the capital cities you can see there and how much they've grown on a year-on-year -year basis as at the end of March. So March to March, which included the worst of GFC, even Sydney is up 12.6%. Uh, Melbourne is up 7.3%. Brisbane is up 62 because it had a slow start, but it's really making hay now. Um, poor old... Um, uh, Adelaide never missed a beat. It was just so strong all the way through. 10.4. Canberra's had a massive jump. And, the, you know, a lot of Canberra's um, jumping there is all about uh, landlocking. I mean, there's just simply not enough land. And I was asked a, a question the other day from one of my students about the ballot system in Canberra and how, you know, when land is released, you actually have to put your name into a ballot. Um, and it's kind of like a, a Dutch auction, you know, a lottery. And if they call your name out, oh, you can, you can buy that piece of land, you know, congratulations. It's not a bidding war or any of those things. It's just, you know, luck of the draw. If, you're, if your name gets pulled out, you're able to buy that block of land. That's how landlocked they are and how um, dramatically their, uh, you know, prices are being pushed up because of that, that inability to, uh, to develop. Now, a lot of that is flowing over into New South Wales, particularly with Queanbeyan and out at Fishwick. I know that's ACT, but further out. You know, you're starting to see it breach out into the uh, New South Wales areas and you're going to see more of that simply because the ACT um, territory is chockers. And, uh, you know, anything in there close in is being pushed up in, in pricing. Uh, then we've got to put it back on the big screen. We've got Perth. Now, poor old Perth. Perth has been running hard for a long time. But even Perth is up 9.2 uh, for the year to the end of March. Hobart, 15.9. Um, and Darwin 8.4. So the national average is actually sitting at 10% increase for the year. And that includes all of the crash and horror and everything else that we had through GFC, uh, not GFC, um, COVID, and, uh, you know, the, and how much it has rebounded and gone ahead uh, post-COVID and, and what we're seeing now in the property market. So it's a good time to be in the property market, I can tell you. Um, it's a bad time if you're not in the property market. And this is why the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer because those who have assets, 
those who own stocks and shares, those who have property portfolios are doing very, very well. So the divide between the haves and the have-nots in the property market is getting bigger. And again, this is exactly what I predicted uh, running through last year, which is why it's not too late, but you do need to get a footprint. You need to get your footprint in the market and not just any property, because there's some properties um, that are, you know, they're just lagging behind and they really are not uh, are not going to perform like these figures are indicating. So it is all about education. It's about educating yourself so that you know what you can do to make money in the property market regardless of what the market does and then be able to pick up on any of the gain and, and, uh, and predict areas and, and things like that, which is what we talk about in I Love Real Estate. Um, the, uh, the month of April was not quite as strong as, uh, an uplift in any one month as, as March, but that's okay because March, the increase in property prices in March 2020 was the highest single month growth that we have had in 33 years. So I wouldn't expect to top that every month either. But the figures are still really, really good. I mean, this is the, the movement. So um, even in the, uh, the, the month of April, you know, we've gone up just in one month, 1.82%. So really, really strong. That's for home prices there. And then for the quarter um, across all the capital cities, we're running at 6.9. So I'll just put that on the big screen again for you. You can see there, um, Sydney's the one that's, that's really excelled the most because it was really playing catch up. I expect the same thing to happen out of Melbourne. In fact, I'm very bullish on Melbourne at the moment because uh, it's, it's got a lot of catch up to, uh, to do. If we just go back to the previous slide, this was April alone. You can see Sydney jumped 2.39%, Melbourne 1.29%. Um, Adelaide, Adelaide is astounding how strong it is um, and how it continues to be strong. But, you know, you can see the major capital cities there and how strong, how strong they all are. This is another chart just showing again how prices generally have gone up. You know, we're, we're seeing the, 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 the price growth, the actual sales going through, and we're going to see more of that. Um, and uh, it's, it's right across the board. It's not any one city. They're all on the upturn. We've had the downturn with COVID. Everything is pointing, pointing up, pointing north. And no matter which chart I bring to you, I mean, this is, this is actually um, uh, the, uh, the loans, uh, so credit and the amount of people jumping into the market. And you can see here again, we had that, that lull through COVID, but as soon as APRA, you know, decided to, to pull out and start to beg the banks to start to lend again because they realised they went too hard back over here at, in 2017. And that was, that's what the result was. And that's why our demand going into COVID was so strong uh, because we had that brief reprieve for that small part of the end of 2000, uh, 19, 2019. And then we had COVID. Well, we're only now just starting to pick up the ground as to where we were uh, pre-APRA getting themselves involved. And you know I'm very, very negative on APRA. I mean, I think they did totally the wrong thing and I said they did the wrong thing uh, back in uh, at the end of 2017 through to mid-2019. And, you know, I was crucified for it. A lot of people thought, oh, you know, we've got to have APRA They're bashing the banks and the banks need to get under control. And sure, there were some irresponsible lending, but it should have been done five years ago. That's when we had the problem. By the time APRA got themselves involved, they killed the economy. 
and they killed it right across the board and that's why we've been suffering ever since. Now, what it's meant is we've got massive pent-up demand so the whole economy now is paying catch-up because we wanted to get into properties but we couldn't because we couldn't get any funds from the bank because APRA was, was jumping all over them. So, uh, you know, that's now playing out. Uh, we're playing catch-up and we've still a lot of catch-up to go and I can tell you one thing, and this, is, this isn't in the charts but I want to tell you this. We are going to use up all that demand. So we've got a long way to go to use up the demand that's been pent up since the end of 2017. On top of that, we've also got a little bit of um, speculation fueling the markets as well. But we've definitely got massive pent up demand. What will happen, and this will depend on how quickly um, ScoMo opens up the borders to people coming into Australia. And it's starting to happen now, but I expect next year it'll, it'll really start to, to open up. And what we're going to see is immigration start again. Now, if we play catch up all of this year and then the floodgates open for immigration next year, because probably the world will be vaccinated by then, um, what we're then going to see is uh, a massive surge again because people are looking at us on Bondi Beach, which is all they see around the rest of the world. They're looking at us, you know, diving and having holidays and, and doing all of these things. And a lot of them, like in England, um, you know, they, I was talking to a mate over there the other day who lives in England, in London. And uh, he said, you know, I've been in lockdown for 11 months. And he said, it is just awful. It's bleak. It's cold. It's horrible. And we're in lockdown. And uh, he said, you know, all we see on TV, anything to do with Australia, because he is actually Australian, is we see Bondi Beach and everybody swimming, you know. We see um, a couple of masks. We see people having holidays and, and uh, fishing and boating and, and uh, you know, doing all of this stuff that he said, you know, everybody out here is so envious. So we are going to see a massive surge in people who want to come to Australia. And then you've got people like India in India who desperately want to come to Australia. A lot of people have got family out here as well. And with the horrors that are going on there and in Brazil and, and the Philippines and all these other places that are just, you know, having a huge problem with COVID, they're looking at Australia and go, well, I want to go there. I want, to, I want my kids to grow up where there's better health care and all of those other things. So those floodgates are going to open. Now, they're going to open for a number of reasons. One is they're going to open because we need their tax dollars to pay for COVID and the debts and everything else. Um, but that's going to create more pressure on housing and house prices will go up again. So we're going to, but the whole economy will flow on from that. I mean, it's, it's actually a good thing, um, even though you think it may not be. It is a good thing. And we need more people in this country. We are underpopulated. And the more population we have, the more demand we have internally. And therefore, the more... Um, you know, the, the more demand for goods and services and everything else, all the money goes round and round. Uh, and uh, that's, that's where we have a, a massive upsurge in growth right across the economy, ju not just for the wealthy. Although those who own property will do better than anybody else. That's why you need to get yourself educated. That is why you need to be making informed decisions. And it's not too late, but by gee, you better get on your bike. You really got to get on your bike to get some placements into the market. Um, this is the housing, housing credit again across, you know, uh, owner occupiers, investors, and then the total there. So both are increasing. It's not just homeowners. It's not just first homeowners. Um, investors are, are getting in there as well because, as, you know, like in, for myself, you know, for a long time it was just much harder to get into the market. So a lot of places went by the buy side because you, you simply couldn't finance. Um, clearance rates are up. I mean, you know, auctions are up, which means that there's an upward pressure on pricing because things are just selling at auction. 
Um, we're starting to see Sydney and Melbourne particularly starting to really ramp up. I mean, they're the auction capitals of, of Australia anyway. They love their auctions, particularly Melbourne. Um, but it's really starting to ramp up right, right around the, uh, the country as well. And it was interesting, I mean, as I say, I'm pretty negative on APRA at the best of times, but this is, uh, this is a report that came out during the week. It was a statement by uh, Wayne um, uh, Byers, who's the, um, who's the head of APRA, and he goes that the risk for the financial system occurs when lending standards are poor or weak. Um, we don't see that, that up to now. Banks have done a pretty good job of holding lending standards up, which means he stuffed up, buggered the economy, and now he's down on bended knee trying to get the banks to, to lend out money. Um, broadly, uh, what he said, APRA chief also said that the regulatory settings were broadly right, uh, given that the agency's mandate uh, was broader than stability of the, uh, the financial system at all costs. Blah. Seriously. Well, look, I know, I know you might be sitting there going, oh, but APRA is a good thing. And look, it is. But it's heavy-handed and they just, I, I still can't over the, get over the fact that they absolutely stuffed up the economy in 2017 and it was blatantly obvious that that was what was happening and I made a big song and dance about it at the time. But, uh, you know, it still happened and then, you know, media gets onto it and they go, oh, poor old Mrs. So-and-so, you know, she got charged too many fees. Well, yeah, there were those things going on. But, uh, you know, they, they got the banks so scared they wouldn't get, lend anybody any money. <sighs> anyway, that's why you need to get educated. So what I've done before I move on with the rest of the masterclass, I've got, I've got some advisors that I've set aside some time for you guys. So we have a full 60-minute uh, real estate breakthrough session. So uh, they are with one of my advisors to work out how you can take action, how you can start to break through and get on the right side of the ledger and end up with... Uh, a portfolio that will, uh, you know, continue to grow and and have a, an income that you can live on for the rest of your life and all of those things. So, so there are only a few. There, the details are all here wherever you wherever you are. If you if you're listening to me, it's I love real estate forward slash um, questions. Uh, forward slash so you can jump on there and uh, get one of the appointments there are only a few appointments I have my advisors that have set aside some time to talk to everybody and uh, and go through where you're at where your goals are what you want to achieve and then how we can help you achieve those goals so they are free they are 60 minute long uh, they are the real estate breakthrough sessions and I really super encourage you guys to to take advantage of these uh, because I know you're going to get a huge amount of benefit out of having one of those um, at one of those consults. So that's there for you. And this is how you move forward. This is how you really take advantage of all of the stuff that I'm actually talking about right now. Let's talk about the global cash splash. We'll get on with it. Look, money is pouring out from the governments all around the world. First of all, let's have a look at Australia. Now, this is our debt levels, and you can see here that, you know, debts have certainly come up. The expectation is that, um, the, to the top part here, the expectation is that, you know, we'll level out for a bit and then we'll start to, start to bring it down. So they're not looking to, to really go hard on the economy probably till the end of the decade when a lot of this growth will have actually already started to, to pay down the debt anyway. So there's still a lot of support to come here, which means that we're going to be reasonably stable for a long period of time. 
Um, and then also interest rates. I mean, this is where they, they're predicting the interest rates to go. And you can see there, there's not much of a lift there. And really, it's not till we get to the end of this decade that they're starting to see interest rates really start to come up. So, you know, we're, we're in for some pretty good times for a long time. So it's a long time good time. Um, and uh, we really do need to take advantage of that. But as I say, you can't you can't dilly-dally with this stuff. I've showed this chart before, but this is an updated one. You can see here how massively savings, net savings, we've become wealthier through COVID. People have saved more money. They weren't out spending on, on stuff that, you know, they either flush down the toilet or, or uh, you know, end up throwing to the dump because it's out of fashion next next year. Um, that, that all that money went back into savings and paying down debt. So right across the board, the economy really, uh, the, the households improved. We are wealthier now than we ever have been in this country um, as a result of COVID, which is kind of, you know, you get, you, you think that won't be the case, it'll be the reverse. But in actual fact, if you average out the Australians, uh, we're better off now than we actually were before COVID and a lot more money's gone into paying down debt. When we put us on the global stage, you can see here across the board from New Zealand right down to Ireland here, uh, you know, the amount that has increased in savings. So you can see that this is the, the net savings um, per household. Uh, and Australia is right here in the middle. So it's not just uh, an, a, uh, an Australian thing, it's right across the board that, that through COVID, households have become wealthier. Households have saved more money. The proportion of households are saving out of current income. So this is this is what the, their income coming in and more is going back into saving than it ever has before. And that's really, uh, you know, a normal psychological response when you have a scare, you go, oh, let's just pull back, you know, instead of doing all that frivolous spending, let's just, let's just hold back a bit and start to, you know, put more money onto our credit cards and all of those sort of things. There was an interesting survey done during the week which I thought I'd share with you. And it was 60 economists were asked the question, the budget, uh, the budget strategy should commit the government to use fiscal policy to quickly drive down the unemployment rate until it is comfortable, yes or no. So most of them um, believe that, uh, you know, we should be running at below six, which uh, we already are. We're, be we're about 5.6, I think we are at the moment. 40% um, said that we should have unemployment rate around about the, uh, under the 5%, which is what our treasurer is saying that that's his target to get into this bracket. Few say that we should, 13% said, said we should be under four and uh, five, <laughs> five people said we should be under three. That's a pretty, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty hard for any economy to actually attain. And across the world, there's cash splash going everywhere. This is the, the cash splash in the United States. You can see where they're spending all of their money. There is money being printed like crazy in the US right now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really pushing out up the, uh, the debt in the US uh, because their debt going into COVID was, per, as a percentage of their population, was much higher than ours was. In fact, we were minuscule compared to the American uh, debt level. And now with the change of government, there's been a massive change in sentiment and the money's really pouring out. The other change of sentiment that we're seeing in the US um, is that the, you know, the, the uh, tax rates for companies have been going down for four decades. What we are actually seeing right now in the US is a, um, a determined uh, turnaround of that. And they're starting to increase 
the, uh, the tax rate for companies in the US. So it's a, it's a market change between the, the presidencies, which you'd expect with the, the two, two styles. Um, but there has been this decrease in tax rates across the, the world for companies. And it's interesting that America is now starting to increase that. We are, we're not too bad as far as that goes. I mean, well, we're fairly high. If you look up here, um, you know, our tax rates generally, well, they're up there at 30%. In actual fact now, our new tax rates are uh, down to 26 cents a dollar. So it puts us just below New Zealand. Not much of a difference, really. Um, we're actually down here now. Uh, this chart's perhaps a little bit old when, when the tax rates in companies were 20, 30%. They're not. This year, they're actually down to 26, and we will get down to 25. So we're going to be in this bracket here, uh, similar to Austria, Korea, the Netherlands, and Spain, as an example, um, Belgium. So we're going to be in this bracket next financial year. At the moment, we are just under New Zealand. New Zealand's running at 28% uh, for tax. So you can see right down, Switzerland's the best at 8.5. My God, 8.5% for, uh, for uh, company tax rates over there. And then you've got Hungary and Ireland down, Ireland down at 12.5%. So you can see there, I'll just put on the big screen. Maybe you can't see it. I'll put on the big screen for you so you'd actually have a look at those. And I mean, the country you're interest, interested in, um, US in the middle there, just under the purple line, is running at uh, 21%. But the average is actually 215 So, And we are above that. Denmark, 22%. Their personal tax rates. I mean, my husband's Danish. That's why I picked that one out. Um, you know, they, their, their personal tax rates can go up to 60%, which is, oh, imagine that, 60%. Earn a dollar and you lose 60%. We don't, we don't do that in Australia. Um, our individual tax rates are actually quite low on, on the world standards. Our, uh, the US personal income, again, you know, the US personal income has also gone up. So not only are they saving, but they're wealthier than they ever have been before. Their spending is up as a result, but not the same proportions as you're seeing here with the, uh, the income coming up. So, you know, they're, they're heading in similar directions, but they're in a worse scenario than we actually are. So I thought uh, let's talk about the truth bomb of the week. All right. Now, I want to uh, end off to this uh, masterclass with a little bit of a truth bomb about corrections. I'm not talking about correctional authorities or anything like that. I'm talking about how to monitor things. So if you're doing a project, if you're doing, um, you know, if you employ people, if you're running a business or any of those things, there's actually a direct correlation between um, a deadline and when you take action. So if we just look at this a little bit closely, when the deadline is way over here, you know, um, the, any correction that you make is it, had, it has a high impact. Um, whereas the closer you get over here, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lower need to make a correction further over. There's a, and the, any correction you make, there is a higher, um, there's a higher result as a result of making that correction. Kind of a little bit of common sense. But the closer you get to the deadline, it's, it gets harder to actually make the correction, the ability to correct your course, um, but the need is very, very high. So the optimal time is actually back here when things are doing okay. Now, I want to put this up because if you think about where we're at now and your own financial plan and, and your goals, dreams, financial um, peg in the sand, all of those things, and you think about it and you go, well, I'm looking at retirement in X, X years or you know, I'm just looking at this period of time in history where we've got an increasing market, the earlier 
you start making corrections in your thinking, in your financing, in your what you do, what decisions, what you buy, all of those things, the bigger result you're going to have. Whereas, uh, you know, if you, if you don't do it back here, the closer you get and the further we move through this economic period of time, the less you're going to be able to do. Obviously, the optimum time is out here in the middle somewhere and we're over here. We're not in the middle. We're actually over here on this side, which is why I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you to please get yourself educated because the more educated you are, the more you know, the better decisions you make and the more money you make. And if we've got the ability to make the money over here and make small corrections in what we do over here, tweaking what we do and how we buy properties and what we buy and, and how to get into the market and how to do money, no money down deals and how to do manufacturing growth, any of those things, the bigger um, the result is going to be as we move through this economic period of time. You know, when we will have a correction into the future or you are looking at retirement or any of those other things, you know, that just, just the ability to be able to get in and make it happen sooner is is now is the time. So that is why I encourage you to please go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash get yourself one of those free 60 minute breakthrough sessions um, and let's get the ball rolling because you know this is the time to act. Uh, we, are, we are not halfway through yet, but we are heading. We've already started. We're not on the starting line anymore. We've already uh, got significant increases and you need to be part of it, but you need to be educated because there's a lot of mistakes to be made out there. There's a lot of rubbish in the market. There's a lot of advertising that can lead you astray. So please, please, please get yourself educated. Let's, you know, for the minuscule amount you pay for an education and the the return on investment is infinitesimal as to what it means for you into the future. So thank you very much for today's masterclass. I've certainly enjoyed uh, chatting to you today. I hope you got great benefit out of it and uh, that you're, you're ready to step up and take some serious action in the market. But please get yourself educated first. So take up one of those, those advisor sessions that I have for you. And I will be back to catch you next week um, with the next weekly update or the next masterclass as to what's going on and uh, what it means for us as property investors and what it means for our future wealth as well. So Thank you, guys. Catch you next week. Have a safe week and I'll see you next week. Bye now.